And we are back to discuss even more Game of Thrones drop plots from Supercut Delight. For those of you who are confused, Supercut made his original drop plot video, and when we discussed it, we split it up into two parts, and now he has made another one, his own part two, which is this part three, and maybe four if we go on for too long. And as much as you guys love saying you could listen to us for hours, trust me, you don't want that, and even I don't want that. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Preston, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I have not watched the video. You've watched the video, so I'm I'm coming in here fresh. Mm-hmm. And of course, guys, check out Supercuts' part two video. I'll leave a link in the description below. Show them some love. And also, just a reminder, we do have a separate Game of Thrones podcast channel, which will be uploading clips, full episodes, and you know even exclusive videos that haven't been anywhere else. So definitely check that out. Once again, I'll leave a link in the description below. And for those of you who are wondering why I sound a little weird or off. My normal microphone broke, and it's kind of tough getting a new one during COVID, so apologies for that. I'll be getting another one shortly, so bear with me just this one time, but um, yeah. So, Preston, let's start now. Uh, 43. The Warlocks trying to kill Danny in uh, Season 2, or actually post-Season 2 mm. in Season 3. They only show up once. They kind of send an assassin after her in the first episode of Season 3, and then that never happens ever again. Yeah... I mean, I, I, you know, with the little girl, like, showing her teeth and the ball with the scorpion inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose that's a dropped plot. But once once you're kind of gone from Karth, like, I guess there's, um, uh, I guess there's no more need for them. I mean, so in the book, obviously, the warlocks come after Danny, um, and it's, they continue, and then they get taken over by Euron, um, captured by Euron. Um, Most of the characters from the Karth plotline in the books actually go on and, and serve other purposes. Like, like Zara is on Doxos. Doesn't he meet up with Danny and Marine? He does. He does. And that's that's very George R. R. Martin to bring back these characters that you thought were, were gone. I will say that, so in the show had, had merged a bunch of different plots. So in, um, in the book, it's not the, the warlocks of Karth who do the assassins hit on Danny? It's the the sorrowful men who are a, a, a league of assassins who apologize before they before they kill somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you just kind of hear about them, and then this you know this guy is like, oh, I'm sorry, and tries to kill her, and that's it. Um, and you, you know, it's odd because they 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 go into all of this detail in the book on on Karth um, about the various leagues and the and and factions and stuff that exist there and then Danny leaves so you don't know if these factions are going to continue on or or not but at least the warlocks come back and Zaro comes back and Quaith uh, to some extent and Quaith to some extent right so we'll see we'll see if other others come back for instance you know the the spice guild is is a faction the sorrowful men um things like this uh, mm-hmm. the 13 you know things like this so it does seem more or less like they put a curse on her, like, before they died. It's like a last-ditch effort to have her killed, and I guess the curse was just a one-time thing post-season two with the little girls, so that's mostly what it seemed like to me. So not really dropped, kind of resolved, but eh. Number 44, Sansa being married to Tyrion. They should officially be still be married, since they never really went into a divorce proceeding. Tyrion makes a joke about it, and they just kind of laugh it off like it never happened. Um, I wouldn't say this is a drop plot, more is it, it's explained more so in season five, 
when uh, basically the the marriage is kind of null and void because Tyrion never consummated it. And there's a whole scene between yeah. Littlefinger and Roose Bolton about it. Um, to my understanding, yeah. marriage in Westeros is almost like a contract in a sense. You get married, it's signed, but it's not really stamped with the official seal unless the consummation happens, which mm-hmm. never did happen. So null and void. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, the, so the show and the book are very different about <clears throat> um, marriage. So in the, in the, in the book, even a, a um, betrothal is considered a pretty strong contract that needs, that's a big deal to, to break. Um, and so they don't even break that. For instance, Joffrey is really um, reluctant to break his betrothal to Sansa because he made he made a promise that he was going to marry this person, and it takes the High Septon to go, no, no, it's fine, and and he goes, okay, I guess so. Um, now the show it's very different. The show, you if you don't if you don't have sex, it doesn't matter. The betrothal doesn't matter, and if you don't consummate your marriage. I guess there's, you know, a statute of limitation, or if you get married to somebody else, like it nullifies the original one. Mm-hmm. So, um, they, yeah, they, I mean, they have the discussion between Bolton and, and Littlefinger about it. And then there's another discussion between Tyrion and John about it, about how, oh, it was never consummated. And therefore, the wedding went away. So, I mean, I think they dealt with it enough. Uh, it was just very different from the book plot. Because it's, exactly. it's a very serious book plot, and they, they just kind of... But, uh, you know, to be fair, they never established in the show that marriage was that big of a deal like they did in the book. So mm-hmm. I'd say it's just a... I think he thinks it's a dropped plot because of some, some conflation with, with the book. Right, but it, it's, it's more of a resolved plot that we, we didn't really need to go beyond... Because it was mostly Tywin's whole thing, and, and that kind of died with, when he died, and when Tyrion and Sansa both fled King's Landing. It's kind of resolved, in my personal opinion. Not a drop plot. Uh, 45. The faith, religion, and the militant are entirely dropped after Cersei destroys the Great Sept in the season 6 finale. Uh, real quick, we actually discussed this as an entire thing in a separate video that hasn't been released yet, but I'll yeah. make sure the clip from that is uploaded on the Game of Thrones podcast channel. So, once again, link in the description below. Make sure to subscribe and ring the bell for that channel. And, uh, yeah, check it out. 46. The Lord of Light organization supporting Daenerys is never really touched on beyond preaching her name to the people and kind of occasionally, you know, sending certain people like Kinvara or Melisandre to help her, kinda. But mostly all they really do is just say how awesome she is, and that's pretty much it. They're, they're never really touched on beyond that. Um, just occasionally preaching the goodwills of Daenerys to the people of Essos. Yeah, this is a completely dropped plot. I mean, they they did set up quite a big, you know, thing that they were they were gonna that her support, Danny's support in Essos was gonna be a thing. You, mm-hmm. know, you had the, the the Asian priestess in Volantis. You had Kinvara showing up. Um, you had you know all these people preaching, and then they just kind of had one little scene saying, "Oh, we've got." peace in the city because everybody seems to be converted and then that peace is destroyed by the the wise masters of of astapor and and yunkai and then it's and then i guess dario just solves everything once he he comes into power but yeah absolutely like i was fully expecting melisandre to come with an army you know not even an army maybe like a squadron of uh of of, of uh lord of lights uh how do you say it at relor 
yeah, Relore. Relore. There's, there's a there's an apostrophe in there, so I don't really know how. Like I've never heard anyone try to pronounce the apostrophe. Most people that I talk to just say Relore, but would it be like Relore or something? <laughs> because there's like a a glottal stop. I don't know. Well, I expect her to come with like maybe like a squad of like Relore followers or Lord of Light followers with her. Like you know, guys that can like do the fireball trick or whatever. But you know, or maybe like warrior priests like uh, Thoros of Mir. But it, she just, I guess, I guess they believed the head of the order believed that all they needed was her. I don't know. This is this is one of the biggest battles to save the history, the the fate of the world, and they just sent Melisandre, and I guess that was enough. Yeah, I mean, it, nothing really made sense about the whole the whole thing because, again, the reason the reason the sons of the harpy in the show the reason the sons of the harpy were causing trouble is because they were funded by people from Astapor and Yunkai. Okay, that was full, you know firmly established that the money was coming from the outside. That was the cause of the problem. Tyrion goes and makes a deal with the Lord of Light people, and then he sees peace in the city. But it, it's completely unrelated. It's like treating a rash with, like, you know, um, uh, an injection for your kidneys or something. You know, it's, it's like he's, he's treating in a completely different problem, and, and somehow it's successful. Like, he, he achieves peace in the city by focusing on R'hllor followers, but the Sons of the Harpy are funded by people from Astapor and Yunkai completely in an unrelated fashion. So it wasn't even—it's it, like— it was such a miss. Like, it's not just a dropped plot. It is a dropped plot, but it's also just, like, such an odd miss on, on and, you know, in, in con- it's just so convoluted. I can't even, like, speak <laughs> in, in that in that it's just, it makes so little sense. Uh, uh, still in Essos, 47, the dragons hmm. misbehaving and that having no lasting consequence of her imprison- imprisoning them. Um, I wouldn't say this is a dropped yeah. plot. It, her, her dragons were young. And they were, you know, being adolescent children and, you know, they misbehave and they had, a, I guess, a rebellious stage where they were trying to, you know, just just be dragons um, yeah. and them not listening to her or her seeming like she has no control is once again, them just being, you know, kid dragons who are learning to fly and, you know, roast things alive and hunt and stuff like that. So uh, as for the lasting consequence of them being imprisoned, I guess... I would argue that should have been a thing, but at the same time, you could also argue her bond with them is so strong that maybe they just shrugged it off. Eh. Yeah, I mean, this is this is tough because in the book, obviously, like ha- having the dragons imprisoned and then having the dragons freed are huge plot points that affect the politics on the ground um, extremely. While you know, in the in the show, Danny makes a you know a decision based purely on the fact that a farmer came in with his dead child, um, and then you know, and the public had no opinion about it. And then when the dragons are released, the public has no opinion about it about it. And so, like, yeah, the dragons weren't eating, and then it happens again, right? It, the dragons aren't eating, and when they when they make it to the north. Um, yeah, it's never really explained like why the dragons started acting weird, or why they kind of were fine with Tyrion. <laughs> so, I, I mean, yeah, they're they're imprisoned for no reason, and then they get out by just digging a hole in the wall, and there's no real reason for it. I don't know. 
So yeah, the drag the dragons have not been very consistent, but I would say yeah, I would say I'll admit that's a bit of a dropped plot. Mm-hmm. Like there's no reason for it. there's no reason for it, but yeah, yeah. I mean, the showrunners clearly were trying to follow the book a little bit and then had to resolve everything really quickly. Um, but yeah, oh well. <laughs> yeah, that's a bad one. 48. The Faceless Men just disappear from the story after Season 6, especially how they allow Arya to kill one of their own agents, steal some of the faces, and just run off. There's no consequences for her actions in this plotline after she kills the Waif. And quite frankly, I'm, in- I'm inclined to agree that the Faceless Men don't really care about her after she just runs off, especially considering they did enact some form of consequence when she killed Marin Trent, but they just kind of let her go? Unless they plan on killing her later after you know she's done with the whole season and the series so yeah this well, is I mean, the faceless men being a, it's kind of they're they're kind of a drop plot line and and Arya's powers which we also touched on last time is also a drop plot as well yeah definitely Arya's powers considering she only uses them to to sneak up on Walder Frey <clears throat> which isn't that important in the grand scheme of things um yeah, it's 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 pretty bad. The I would say it's it's more inconsistent. Like they try to wrap it up with him being like, "You finally become no one." How does that make sense at all? But okay. And then she's you know she's like, "I'm going home." All right. Like I wish I could even make I wish I could even make sense of it thematically, but I can't. You know, because um, she doesn't even she doesn't really even decide to go home until later when she's in the with hot pie and he tells her that john is still alive mm-hmm. so it's really like i'm not going home i'm i'm leaving to go and act revenge on i people. also kind of liked your your idea for aria how why she had to like flee westeros because uh the phrase wanted vengeance yeah that would be uh so yeah, because there's no way she would have been able to kill every fray. Because <laughs> especially considering she didn't kill the women or the children. So Well, she was able to kill the Night King, Preston. So, I mean, yeah, right. a couple maybe, of frays maybe, should be nothing. Maybe she killed all the women and children off screen. I don't <laughs> I guess. Uh, oh. 49. And this, is, this actually bothered me uh, when we came to uh, season 6 and 7. But I understand why. 49 is Angai being dropped from the Brotherhood Without Banner storyline. Now, I would argue there are two reasons for this. Mm. The first being budget. The the big five or seven actors and actresses wanted more money in later seasons since Angai first appears in season three. And he's not the only character who was dropped for likely budget reasons. We'll get to that later. Uh, the second reason being he's just too overpowered with the bow and arrow. In the books, isn't he considered like one of the best archers in Westeros? And didn't he also win the Tourney of the Hand? He did. He won the tourney of the hand, and then he spent all of his money on hookers. On sex workers, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you, Preston? Um, I'm assuming the reason why they also removed him is because he is the best, and had he gone beyond the wall with the Brotherhood Without Banners, the Fellowship of Winter, he probably would have fucked up the Night King. If you give Angai some uh, dragonglass tip arrows, he probably could have destroyed everybody. Of course, they, they are rather inconsistent about the size of the Brotherhood, you know, like how many people are in the Brotherhood without banners, because at some point it just drops down to to Beric and Thoros, and then it's just Beric, and the rest of them are kind of gone, you know. Um, Didn't most of them die or stay behind in the Riverlands? 
uh, it's hard to say. They're, 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 when they were walking north, it seemed like there was like nine of them or so. And then, and then only, <clears throat> only, well, I guess some nobodies went north of the wall. We're not sure who these nobodies were. I mean, if they were Night's Watch or if they were wildlings or if they were Brotherhood, we don't know. But a, a couple, a couple, a few nobodies went north of the wall. But then, you know, after that, after that, we just, we just have Barrack and we just have Barrack. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what happened to the Brotherhood, the Brotherhood without banners. They just kind of disappeared. Uh, number 50, Salador Sun, which, by the way, is a good name for songs. He kind of yes. just disappears after, I believe, it's season five, where Stannis is able to pay him some amount of money, and yes. uh, Stannis gets his ships. Uh, he kind of just disappears after that. Would I say this is a drop plot? I, I don't know if it's a drop plot. I, I just feel as though the character kind of overstayed his welcome. But if anything, I would admit that... I'm kind of annoyed that we didn't get some resolution with him or some final scene where he says, well, Davos, good luck. It's been nice knowing you. And no, I mean, just in, leaves. In, they filmed an entire scene where, you know, uh, he's in the bathhouse in Bravos with the sex workers. And then Davos comes in and he's like, we got our money. And Salador sounds like, oh, okay. Son of a bitch, I'm in. Yeah. And then, and then he disappears. So, I don't know. He gets raptured. If anything, yeah. I would I would have included a scene where after Stannis um, goes crazy, he leaves and he goes mm-hmm. and tells Davos what happened back at the wall and tells Davos, you're on your own. I just came to send my regards and, well, bye. Or maybe yeah. he, he joins Danny's fleet with Davos. Right. You know, like, it, it. you're right that they needed to have just one scene of them at Eastwatch and him saying, you know, this is where we say goodbye. Like I, I, I'm, I'm not in this anymore, you know, like mm-hmm. something. Um, and then that would have been fun, you know, but, but you're right. He just disappeared. He, I, I imagine he ferried everybody from Bravos to, to Eastwatch and, and then he disappeared. And then wait, didn't John use his ships to ferry the wildlings from Hardhome? No, he, um, no, he, he so in he somehow walks back with them. No, he doesn't walk back. He takes the boat. Remember, the Night King is like, "Are you not entertained?" And he's on the boat. Right, but then he's then he's on land. Like, mm. He does take a boat, but I think it's just the Night's Watch boat. Or, um, uh, and then, and then he, even though he leaves by boat, for some reason he gets off. And gets onto land and decides to like walk up to the gates <laughs> with with the wildlings. Could have could have gone to Eastwatch and then walked you know on the safe side of the wall <laughs> um, to to Castle Black, but instead he decides to land on and the have that dramatic side of the stare wall. down with uh, yeah and have with, a dramatic stare down with uh, uh, Thorn, Alistair Thorn, yeah, Alistair Thorn. Yeah, that was really stupid. <laughs> but, once you pointed uh, out like fuck uh, that was memories. dumb uh, memories <laughs> but yeah, yeah that's just no they just had their own boats uh, 50 uh, so I would say Salador San kind of a drop plot 51 you would agree with the free folk using wargs that suddenly dropped after Arel's death mm. uh, yeah it kind of is because they, they make in season 4 when we meet the Magnar Fen he specifically asks what happened to your warg which implies that the Free Folk, especially Mance's army, have wargs in them. 
And yeah. yeah, after that, it doesn't seem like any of the the free folk even have any wargs left. Yeah, I mean, and it's. I'm trying to think of like the importance of wargs in and and skin changers. In the book plot, it's 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 important because John is also a skin changer, and so it's like the fact that that he feels he's more wildling than than um, Seven Kingdomer. It, like that's part of that, you know, the fact that he has this like beast feeling, and you know, he by meeting other skin changers, you know, he he's meeting his kindred, um, and so in in the in the show, they never really explore John's um, ability to to skin change, and so he never really feels kin with someone like Orel. They, there's there's no point to Orel having the eagle at all. He just does, right? You know. In the show. Yeah, in the show. In the show, he's he's he serves more as a scout. Yeah, and then he's killed. He's killed, yes, because he doesn't trust John. He thinks John is a betrayer, which he is. Right, he is. Mm-hmm. But but there's no there's no um, there's no plot reason why he like Arell specifically needed to be a skin changer. There's no thematic reason that there needs to be skin changers. It's just Arell was a skin changer, and that's it. Yeah, like I'm saying, I'm saying in the book, like it's important thematically. That skin changers are in the wildlings, and John is a skin changer as well. So he, it's one of the reasons he feels kinship with the wildlings. Um, and you know, I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see. We'll see if um, if skin changing also plays part in the in the in the plot as as skin changers are at the wall now. So at Castle Black, but there's no there's no reason to even have skin changers. Um, in the northern plot, in uh, they could have they could have cut Aurel, and everything would have been fine, <laughs> you know. Number fifty-two: Daenerys being able to have children. This question is randomly mm. brought up during the pit meeting in the season seven finale between John and Danny, and then kind of dropped. Um, I agree with him on this one that Danny being able to have kids would have made her death a bit more painful for John, especially since it's alluded that they've had sex multiple times. But yeah. there was no point in John going into detail with Danny as to whether or not she can have children, especially during the whole meeting with with the Lannister forces right. and King's Landing. So they had to have brought it up for a reason. I, I agree that this is a dropped plot. I, I think that. What should have been the case is that when they're talking about her legacy, everyone would have said, but wait, she can't have children. There is no legacy. Um, and then it would have been a reason why she shouldn't be the monarch or why John shouldn't marry her. I mean, that should have been the thing that, oh, you can have no children. You can have, there's no one to continue on your legacy. But um Instead, yeah, it doesn't, it's not really brought up in that sense. Like, um, or, you know, it could have been brought up as a good thing. Like, yay, she can't have children. You know, the, the, the next ruler will be chosen, you know, but it's, um, it is dropped. Like, there's no relevance to her having kids other than that. I mean, I guess one could argue that maybe her dragons are her children and it's important that she can't have children because. Her dragons are her children. Mm. But, That's a little bit of a stretch. <laughs> you know? 
So, I mean, had they had they, I don't know, mentioned it a few more times with the death of of Viserion, you know, and 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 Rhaegel, maybe it would have uh, it would have been been important. But mm-hmm. I agree, it's a, it's a dropped plot because you know there's huge political importance to the fact that she can't have kids. Yeah, of course, especially yeah. with, uh, with the whole thing with her and John. Like, I agree with him. It would have would have made more of a gut punch if you know we got a hint that she could, since it. He did kind of bring it up. Yeah, or it made it would have been harder. It would have been harder on John if he if she revealed to him that she was pregnant and he had to kill her anyway. You know that would have been even worse. Like, oh God! Like, not only are you my love. See, this is the this is the thing. Is like they wanted to establish that John and Danny were really in love, and it was a, it was a really hard move for him to kill Danny. But we didn't really feel that John and Danny were in love, or at least if we felt it. We felt that, that John fell out of love. So him stabbing her wasn't as hard as it should have been. Well, they had but, that little date where they flew on dragons that one time. I yeah, mean. yeah. But so, you know, if you want the impact and power of like him killing his true love, it would have been even worse had she been pregnant with, with, um, with her, his child. Mm-hmm. Like, had she revealed that to him like right before getting stabbed, like, oh, this is going to be great. And our child. And he's like, what? You're pregnant? And then he realizes, crap, I've got to kill you and my unborn child. Like, that's, that's, that would be a real sacrifice. That would be pretty powerful. Jesus. Missed opportunities. <laughs> uh, 53. The concept of winter is just kind of forgotten about. It takes several years for it to even happen, and it's inconsistent in the show. Uh, he goes on to cite that the scene where Jamie is leaving King's Landing in the season seven finale, it's starting to snow, but then later on in season eight, during the meeting between Danny and Cersei's forces, there's no sign of winter at all. Um, he's 100% yeah. correct about this, and it's something Absolutely. almost everyone has complained about, especially since, uh, I don't know if you recall, the White Raven arrived from the Citadel early on in season two, and it, mm. and it took winter a long time to start in the show, especially if we're going by like every season being a year or so. Yeah. And he also comments on how whether or not the Night King may be able to control winter or how much winter there is. Like, if there could be any credible argument here is that maybe the Night King can amplify how strong the winter season can be. But I don't think the Night King can control, like, the whole weather for most of the planet. I, I don't know about that. Yeah. I mean, the fact that that winter felt, mo- like, worst and most in- intense during Stannis's drive south... And then it doesn't really feel particularly bad at any point after that. You know, like, like you feel like you, we hit peak winter at the end of, what, what was that, season six? Season five. Season, oh, Jesus. So we, <laughs> we, feel, we feel we've hit peak winter in season five. And then we go season six, season seven, season eight. Yeah. And this it is, only gets this, that intense when the Night King shows up and he summons strong winds uh, to counteract the dragons. Yeah. Um, and this is this is rough because it also contrasts the book where currently in the book, winter is so bad and it's the first day of winter and we're like, oh my gosh, things are going to get even worse than this. Like, this is the feeling you get. Like, oh my God, things are really bad already. Like Stannis walked through, you know, for two months in a snowstorm and you felt that snowstorm because you're with Asha. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, yeah, 
in the show, it just all disappears. You, you, you never feel like there's intensity after the Stannis drive. Like, you never feel like it's winter anymore. Yeah, yeah. I'd say that horrible. Well, he had to sacrifice Shireen, and I guess you could argue the Lord of Light was, was there, but I, I would agree that 53, the concept of winter, is kind of dropped very quickly yeah, after absolutely. season five. Uh, uh, 54, hinting that Rickon may be a warg and being left out altogether. Yes. Mm. Uh, we got, we got, I wouldn't say that, mm. Rickon did have green dreams in this show. Yes. That was, that was hinted very strongly, but the whole character himself was just dropped completely after they leave him and Osha in season three. To be fair, in A Game of Thrones, Sansa and Arya also received, also received green dreams but that's that they they never really have those again <laughs> either. So it's a it's a drop plot in the in the book too. So <laughs> Arya starts having wolf dreams, but she never really has green dreams again. While you know, while both she and Sansa had like weird green dreams back back in a Game of Thrones. But oh well. <laughs> someone someone mentioned this in your comment section when we were doing Fire and Blood. Someone said how it's weird how none of these characters in Fire and Blood, any of these Targaryens are having any dragon dreams. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. Um, but at the same time, if they did, I think they would keep it to themselves because we're going at the whole uh, Targaryen history from Maester um, Gildane's perspective. And maybe the Targaryens that did have dragon dreams kept it to themselves. And didn't yeah, tell I mean, we about start it. Hear, we start hearing about the dragon dreams around the time of King Aerys I. Um, and, uh, you know, the, essentially the, the events of the, um, the Hedge Knight, um, Duncan Egg stories. That's when the, the dragon dreams are first heard of. And then, but at the same time, like, that's when Bloodraven is alive. So it may be that just Bloodraven is causing all of this. So... He and he's the cause of all of the dreams, so it's possible. 55, and this is something you've brought up as well the Ironborn wanting their own independence. Uh, yeah. he mentions that maybe Dave and Dan forgot this ever happened because Yara does bring it up, uh, during her meeting with Danny, I believe, in season six, but mm. she never brings it up again in the, the great council meeting in season eight. So, yeah, this is a pretty, pretty bad one considering it's, it's the entire Ironborn plot. Like, it is the entire purpose of, like, <laughs> it's why they did everything they did. Um, it's why Asha's character essentially exists, you know. Um, and do you think the argument that Yara could have brought up uh, would have maybe helped her? Because she could have asked it as a personal favor to the Iron Islands since their prince did give up his life to protect the current king, Bran. That's true. Could have, and you know, they could have just, they could have just tacked it on and been like, you know, the Iron Isles are independent as well. Okay. I mean, how does that affect anything? Like the North is independent and the Iron Isles are independent. Who, like that's not effectively different for me than, than the Iron Isles not being independent at the end of the movie, at the end of the, the show. Like they could have just had her have independence, but whatevs. And they could have made her master of ships too, to maybe like give her, I don't, honestly, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Yara would give a fuck, but still, like, give the Ironborn something to help to, like, make them want to stay in the Seven Kingdoms and not right. be independent, because their independence could be a problem later on down, you know, down the line. Uh, 
Yeah, this this is a drop plot, of course. I mean, why did why did Yara sail to Slaver's Bay? <laughs> like, why why did she join Danny's alliance? Like, that was well. <laughs> you know, she was like, "What did I do with my life?" Oh man. <laughs> Well, you can, I'm assuming you, because you can't have Yara and Euron in the same place. Not to mention, in the books, doesn't Yara run away to the north to get away from Euron because he wants to marry her off to someone to one of his own guys? Yeah, I mean, I understand that they were... I mean, I understand that structurally they're like, well, we had Victarion went to Slaver's Bay. We're going to have Yara and Theon go to Slaver's Bay, mm-hmm. and that'll be that'll be good enough, you know? But it's it's just that it's the the whole thing. Like season two on, like you know, Theon goes home. His dad wants independence and to conquer the North. You know, they conquer the North, and then that leads to Theon's whole slew of trouble. And then you know, Yara's got to try to rescue him, and then Yara has to go to uh, you know, once once to become you know uh, queen in order to have their independence, and then. It's stolen from her from from Euron, so she goes and joins Danny. But it's very clear that she still wants independence, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was the entire plot of the Ironborn, and it was dropped. Uh, Fifty six. Jamie's character arc: him not giving a damn about the innocents, despite the fact that he sacrifices his honor to save King's Landing from the Mad King. Uh, but this one scene in season eight ruins it when he tells Tyrion that he never really cared about the innocents. I would argue that. He was just saying that. He was lying. He was just saying that yeah. just to just get Tyrion off his back. Yeah, I mean, that would be the, the argument. Um, I, think, I think one of the missed opportunities is that, and perhaps there's a cut scene or something, because I was very confused, is when Jamie goes in the city, they keep, they, keep watch, they keep showing him marching towards a bell tower, you know, and then... Oh, yeah, you mentioned Later. this last time, that you yeah, thought he was then, supposed to ring the bell. Yeah, and then it would make sense, like, that he's the one trying to save everybody, you know, by making it to the bell tower to ring the bells. Um, I almost feel like they had these scenes filmed, and then somehow in editing they, they, they switched things around. But um, then it would have it would have fixed everything that, no, he, he did want to save the city. He's going to save the city again by, by ringing the bells. But no, yeah, it's just it's just kind of dropped. Yeah, I, I think that's completely. I think it's it's not great. Like, it does seem insincere when he says it. Like, oh, I don't care about people. He does say it, you know, in a in a very um, flippant manner that makes you think he's insincere. But you want some sort of follow up that shows that you know he really does care about the people. And ringing the bells would have shown that. Yeah. It's almost like they're trying to literally fuck up their own stories that they've built up the entire time. <laughs> like, it, it just really makes you... See, because I defended Jamie's decision to go back to Cersei because yeah. he's not the hero everybody thinks he is. He's a flawed human being, and he's in love. And we do stupid things when we're in love. You've done it. I've done it recently. Like, we all do sure. dumbass things yeah. when we're in love. And even and if we're in love with the, the wrong point. person. The, 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 things, the things we do for love. Exactly. And, and, and I would argue, and I wish they would have had this, I would have argued that, you know, him keeping his, his oath to Cersei, their love, is, is keeping an oath. Like, I wish they would have, like, stressed that more. But I think that's what, if... if they're stealing George R. R. Martin's plot. I think that's what 
they're, they're stealing from. I think that's George R. R. Martin's idea that, mm-hmm. that he has an oath to Cersei, their love. Um, you know, just because there's previous George R. R. Martin stories that are very focused on this, like dying of the light. And so, you know, they could have done that. They could have mentioned that, but, you know, but still, I'm fine with it even being unsaid that the things we do for love, Jamie's in love with Cersei, he has to go back. That's fine. I'm fine with that. Um, but yeah, but him not caring about people, I mean, come on. I don't buy that. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy that. Maybe that was the intent. So is this a dropped plot, Jamie's character arc? I don't, I don't know about that. I think, personally, I think Jamie was very consistent throughout the entire show. Mo- most of the, beyond character development, um, that aside, I think he was yeah, mostly I mean, consistent. that's the thing, right, is, is he's almost he's almost consistent in his inconsistency because <laughs> i because I, I remember back in in season three and four when he did when he didn't immediately like break up with cersei like he does in the book and he sticks around and everyone is just so confused and they're like wait but jamie's supposed to have this character arc and he's not having the character arc yeah jamie never had the character arc in the show that's fine <laughs> that's fine he was he was always an inconsistent he was always like on Cersei's side, he never really broke up with her. He broke up with her like for a second in the, in the, in the show, um, you know. But that's fine. He didn't have the he didn't have the character arc. But you know, uh, I guess they never if if they never established the plot in the first place, you can't drop it. I guess. <laughs> but also at the same time, um, people always cite well his journey in season three with Brienne. This is this is kind of reminds me of what happens with Jamie in, in the third book. We kind of get a, get to see a a, a a more deeper side of him in the in the first and second seasons. He's a jerk through and through. Mm-hmm. But in season three is when we really get to see who he is. Just like in the third book, mm-hmm. and just because we get to see his side of the situation, what happened uh, during you know the Mad King's uh, final days, doesn't change the fact that he's still a flawed human being who's deeply in love with a horrible person. And he's right. going to make horrible decisions to be with that person. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is like Jamie, Jamie killing the Mad King in order to, to stop like the death of a million people. Like almost anyone would have done that. Like you're talking about a million people. Like, like that makes it, had he, had he let the million people burn, he would have been a really horrible person. And, you know, and like, wouldn't he have burned himself? That's true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, if he, so, did, he would have, he would have let Tywin die because I believe Tywin was either in the city or close enough to the city to maybe right. have been caught in the blast or the yeah. inferno, and he would have died himself because the Man King firmly believed that he would have right. been a dragon born anew through the flames. So making making Jamie into this like hero? No, he. I mean. Yeah, he's a hero in the sense that he saved everybody. But yeah, like everybody would have saved, like everybody would have done the same thing. Um, <laughs> so, you know, he can still be a horrible person and not want to kill a million people and himself and his family, you know. So I don't know. I mean, it doesn't, you're, I, I agree that it doesn't seem right that he would say like, ah, I don't really care about these people. But at the same time, Jamie's kind of inconsistent and he makes jokes like that and um, he was kind of in love with Cersei, in love with Cersei the whole time, and he was pretty consistent in that in that respect. He really, you know, pushed forward this idea that he was in love with her all seasons. So it's he did try to move away from her. He did. 
with Brienne and yeah. and moving away from Cersei during the whole uh, White Walker crisis when he leaves in the at the end of season seven. He does try to leave Cersei, and he, at the end of the day, he can't. And mm. that's something a lot of people can really relate to. Trying to leave that girl you fell for super hard, but at the end of the day, you're just too weak to do so. And it's fine. We get yeah. it. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not that there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of complaints I have about se season eight. Like people's complaints about Jamie are, you know, they're, they're, they're on the bottom of a long list. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> out of all your complaints about season eight, Jamie, I think the most that stands out is the fact that Danny didn't call him out even more so for all the things he's done. Right. Or the fact that he kills your, he has to kill Euron and have a boss battle with Euron. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> boss battle. Yeah, yeah. That is fucking ridiculous. I get to be the man who kills Jamie. What? When was that your goal? <laughs> when, was, when was that a thing you wanted? <laughs> oh, man. Like, like, <laughs> all, all, like the most random rivalry ever. Like, what, what was the other rivalry that was random that you said? It was... Uh, oh, it, uh, I think Theon versus random Ironborn guy? <laughs> no, no, no. It was <laughs> Grey Worm. Grey Worm versus uh, oh, Strickland. Grey Worm versus Harry Strickland. All oh, right. <laughs> like, why are they fighting? Okay. 